0: Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: And so I called his office and I said, hey, do you guys know what lichen sclerosis is? I think I have it and I need to be seen. And they were like, we can get you in tomorrow. We know what lichen sclerosis is. We treat it all the time. Um... We would love to get you in immediately. We understand how much discomfort you are in.
0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, we're going to be talking to Heather Cohen, and it's tough because even in the podcasting I do outside of this with mental health stuff, I hear very serious stories all the time, and they all affect me. And I think it's because I've been through my own physical health challenges and mental health challenges that I have a level of empathy for the person that I'm listening to, even if I don't really understand their specific condition. Right. But then for some reason, there are just certain stories where I can't actually relate to a lot of the health stuff. That Heather, our guest, is going to be talking about today, but it just hit me a very different type of way. It was something where this person has been through so much and you can kind of hear the strength in their voice that they've developed from this experience. And it really wasn't that long ago that she finally got this under control. And what I'm referring to is one of the many um, diseases that she dealt with, the lichen sclerosis. It's an autoimmune disease of a not so fun place. Now, Heather is a marketing executive turned nutrition consultant and educator. Heather advocates for informed consent, bodily autonomy, and healthcare authorship. She touches on what those things mean in the podcast. She speaks and writes on nutrition and lifestyle design interventions for health recovery. Heather successfully recovered uh, her health from vulvar cancer, Hashimoto's, and lichen sclerosis. She reversed estrogen dominance, insulin resistance, arteriosclerosis, and fatty liver, utilizing a food as medicine and integrated clinical clinical treatment approach. Heather is a certified FDN practitioner as well as a nutrition therapy practitioner. And knowing this woman and hearing the story, I'm going to guess that her education is not going to stop there. I think she's just going to go forever. (laughs) So you'll see what I mean soon. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hey there, Heather. Thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Hey, Evan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to tell my story.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm excited to hear it because for those that have been listening for a while, what is so cool is there is are thousands of FDNs out there in the world. And when I tell you they all just have incredible stories, it really is the truth. And so Heather and I know each other, which is cool, but I did not know uh, some of the stuff that she dealt with, as you guys just heard in the bio and stuff. And so I'm interested both in diving into how the heck you overcame this stuff as well as you know what these things even are because i didn't know what the (laughs) one word is and you know i had to record that a few times before i got it correct so i will not embarrass myself here i will let you do the explaining and we always start with the same question first off on this show at least and that is when did these health symptoms begin for you and like Uh, what did that look like
1: sure so I have unknowingly been suffering from chronic illness since I was like 8 or 12 years old. Um, So the one thing that I have always had, and we're going to get into some pretty intimate details here. is uh, jock itch, for lack of a better term. <laughs> I have had um, a very itchy vulva my entire life, as long as I can remember, since at least age eight or 12. And um, I didn't know until I was 37 that I actually had an autoimmune condition called lichen sclerosis. And that is when your immune system basically attacks your genitalia. And so it shows up as a skin condition, um, kind of similar to psoriasis in terms of autoimmune skin conditions. Um, but the skin of, of the vulva goes white. Um, and I don't mean white like I'm Caucasian descent. I mean white like paper. Wow. Um It becomes very, very itchy, uh, very inflamed, very sore, very tender. The skin actually thins and tears very, very easily. Um, Because of the constant irritation, it's difficult to wear things like jeans or pants or bathing suits. Um, Even relieving myself in the restroom became difficult um, as it advanced. Uh, walking became difficult. It's a very painful and not pleasant disease. It's pretty gross, actually. Um, and nobody really knows about it because it's a rare autoimmune condition. And I, I believe last time I looked, it's like 200,000 or less folks diagnosed every year. That okay. number's climbing, like most autoimmune conditions, right? Um, so that's kind of where things started, um, but because I've had autoimmunity for that long, I, I of course, developed more than one. So I am also a Hashimoto's sufferer. And the thing about lichen sclerosis is that if it goes untreated, it eventually develops into cancer. So I was one of the lucky 4% that developed into vulvar cancer, so cancer of the vulva. So in a nutshell, that's what I've been dealing with for my lifetime as far as chronic illness is concerned.
0: Okay. Well, I am an autoimmunity nerd, but there's always more to learn. And there's, I mean, over a hundred now at this point. And as you just hit the nail on the head when you said these are going up, there's also the kinds are going up. We're finding more and more autoimmune diseases. Now, whether or not that they existed before, really just more are actually being presented. I think it's a little bit of both, but if autoimmunity did not suck enough and autoimmunity of more or less the genitalia, that is... Okay. About as crappy as it gets. Uh Um, So I appreciate your just transparency and uh, vulnerability rate from the beginning. I just think that's really cool. We have a lot of people on here that have done that. And, you know, I think there is no such thing as TMI on this type of stuff. This is a real podcast where we're getting people on who are so selfless in just trying to help others because they've been through so much overcame it and then still go out and try to serve the world so um yeah i'm sorry if if any of the stuff that we talk about on here bothers someone i mean this just isn't the tribe for you right we have real conversations around these things so this is a lot going on now i just want to be clear because you said you had this jock itch at a very young age seven or eight so the autoimmune condition that was present at that age already is that correct
1: correct Mm -hmm. yep correct
0: All right. So were there other things that you dealt with as maybe like a kid and teenager? And I just mean even things like it could be acne. It could be headaches that just seemed normal, but were comparatively uh, comparatively better when I guess put up to this chalk itch. Like what else was going on? Because I find people with autoimmune conditions typically have a wide array of symptoms, generally at least.
1: Yeah. So actually, nobody has asked me that question. Um, And I've told my story quite a bit. So thank you for asking that. Um, So uh, I had other stuff going on as a kid and as an adult when things started to escalate and disease progressed. Uh, So when I was a kid, I had a very persistent sinus infection that just would, it was like, there for years, and it would never go away. And docs gave me every med you could think of. I had sprays and snorts and pills and everything else. And I, I'm just, I've always been kind of resistant to taking medication. And so my mom always thought it was because I was non-compliant that it wouldn't go away. Um, What I actually know now is that it was an underlying dairy sensitivity. Uh, I'm also sensitive to gluten. So food sensitivities seem to be part of my root cause in terms of all of my chronic illness. Um, So as a kid, that was kind of the only thing. So I would wake up with lots of congestion, clearing my throat, And then also the sinus infections that were just kind of persistent. Um, As an adult, as things progressed, so um, prior to FDN, I've been working in the marketing space as a marketing executive, Um, very high stress, high profile job. So stress ended up being um, part of my story in terms of escalating and disease progression. Um, I had... Uh, I was overweight, so I am 5'3", and my highest weight was 235, 233, something like that. Um, Bad seasonal allergies. Uh, What else? Migraine headaches, something I also suffered with as a child, Um, and they would get so bad that they would mimic a stroke, like my face would droop and hand would go numb. Sometimes I couldn't see uh, or talk, like form words, so they'd be really bad. Then I developed things like gallstones and fatty liver and um, what else? Uh, Just kind of a litany of little things like that. Uh, Heartburn, always. Um, So yeah, yes, I had a lot of stuff.
0: Got it. And yeah, you know what? I think I maybe have a little bit of a head start there or advantage in asking that type of question only because i've seen autoimmunity in my own life and my family members lives Mm -hmm. and it's important to me it's one of the reasons i'm like so passionate about autoimmunity because i I love what you just said not that you've dealt with it but because you're dealing with all these other things that don't seem related and this is why arguably this is a tough one i'm almost speaking tongue-in-cheek but arguably more than any other group I think autoimmune patients just get screwed unintentionally by Western medicine because it takes years to get a dang diagnosis, let alone what do you actually do once you get that? And that leads me to the question of, you know, you said 37 or 38 was when you finally- Okay, 37. I mean, 30 years, pretty much exactly, you're dealing with this. How? You're dealing with this for all those years. What was it that finally led to someone figuring out what this was?
1: I self-diagnosed- (laughs) <laughs> actually.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Uh, I self-diagnosed both lichen sclerosis and vulvar cancer. Um, so in 2005, I think it was, I actually got sick. I was on a, a vacation trip with a friend for his birthday in Boston, and I ended up hospitalized with a heart rate that was like 210, I think is what my heart rate was, and I had a fever of like 105. Um, turned out it was just influenza, Um, But at that time, they ran blood work because I was hospitalized and discovered that I had a a sluggish thyroid. And so when I got back, I went to an actual doctor and they were like, oh, yeah, you have Hashimoto's disease. And I'm like, what the hell is Hashimoto's disease? (laughs) And so I start researching and I'm like, oh, well, I guess this explains why my hair is falling out and my memory is going. My vision is going. uh, All those things that happen with uncontrolled autoimmune um, thyroid conditions at that time. And so that's when I started to actually seek out thyroid related information. And at that time, stop the thyroid madness was like the big thing in the holistic space um, because they had caught on to the fact that conventional doctors typically just look at markers like TSH and T4, and they don't really look at the whole thyroid panel. Um, And they didn't really test antibodies at that time. So somehow through Google, I discovered this book, read the book, and then sought out a naturopathic doctor. I am blessed to live in Phoenix, Arizona. It's kind of the mecca for naturopathic medicine.
0: Okay. I did not know that.
1: Yep. And that doctor um, recommended that I do a food sensitivity panel, and that's when I discovered the gluten and dairy sensitivity. And he was like, yeah, so this is probably what's going on in terms of why you have developed this autoimmune condition. And so, okay, that was in 2005. I started to dabble in taking care of myself, changed my diet, all was good. And then my marketing career started to pick up. And I am a very driven individual. Um, and I started to throw myself into my work and take on too much, and stress started to build. And pretty soon I found myself climbing the ladder and responsible for revenue <laughs> of mid sized companies, tech companies that were backed by investment. Bankers. And so stress just got ridiculous. And my other illnesses, i.e., the lichen sclerosis that I didn't know about at this time, started to progress and escalate. And then I developed a tear on my vulva that wouldn't heal. It wouldn't heal for like months. And then eventually a growth started to grow out of it. Uh, It looked kind of like a mushroom shape it had a kind of a thin stem and Mm -hmm. then kind of a pimple um it was pink in color and the pain and the itch changed uh became more intense became more of a burning itch than just a regular itch and I was like all right something is definitely wrong so my lichen sclerosis essentially progressed into cancer because I was under chronic stress um on top of everything else that I was doing. So chronic stress for me looks like stress eating and drinking bottles of wine and self-medicating oh, in that capacity. <laughs> um, and so I was really like just adding insult to injury in terms of the way that I was coping with stress in such an unhealthy way. Um, so... I was like, well, crap, now I have to really figure out what the hell is going on. And so I started to just go down every rabbit hole I could find on Dr. Google and Coach YouTube. And I started (laughs) to stumble into um, literature that uh, like lined up with my symptoms exactly in terms of the lichen sclerosis. And then I saw that it progresses to vulvar cancer. And then I was like, oh, crap, like I've got this growth that will not go away, I'm pretty sure I have both of these things. Now the thing with lichen sclerosis is because it's so rare, a lot of gynecologists don't know what it is and they don't have, they don't know anything about it. Um, So I started to call around because in my history going to doctors, I had been brushed off with it's just it's a yeast infection. Eh, It's maybe an allergy. Maybe your hygiene isn't correct. Maybe you need to um, change your underwear or change your feminine hygiene products or maybe change your toilet paper. Went down the avenue of anything and everything in terms of things that were touching my skin, um, but nobody connected any other dots. Um, So I had given up on conventional medicine at that time and I figured I just get to be itchy. That's how I'm built and I accepted it as part of life. So it wasn't until things had escalated to the point where I knew something was very much wrong because things were growing in places they shouldn't be growing that I started to do this research and then call around to find a doctor who knew about these illnesses. And I actually contacted a couple of different gynecological offices and they they didn't know what it was, and they weren't able to actually get me in to be seen for like two to four weeks. Um, and so I kept looking and kept looking, and I came across a specialist here in Phoenix. Um, his name is Dr. Brooks, and he's wonderful. Um, he's a Vulver specialist. And so I called his office, and I said, hey, do you guys know what lichen sclerosis is? I think I have it, and I need to be seen. And they were like, we can get you in tomorrow. We know what lichen sclerosis is. We treat it all the time. Um, We would love to get you in immediately. We understand how much discomfort you are in. And so I arrived at the office and I went into his office office, not the exam room. So he actually brought me into his office and I sat across his desk from him and he had his medical assistant with him and he interviewed me and he wanted to know about my history all the way back to when I started my menses all the way till now sexual history, symptoms, all the things. Now, one of the trademarks of like the classic textbook uh, items when it comes to lichen sclerosis is it usually occurs hand in hand with Hashimoto's in women. And so, I told him, I said, I'm pretty sure I have lichen sclerosis and I think you're going to find something else in there as well. And I told them why I thought that. All the symptoms, the white skin, the tears, the growth, the Hashimoto's, all of that stuff. And he was like, sounds like you have hit the nail on the head. Did the exam. Turns out, yep, that's exactly what it was. He's like, this is a very advanced case of lichen sclerosis. And he was actually concerned. I could hear the concern in his voice. And he said, how long has it been like this? Mm-hmm. And I said, as long as I can remember, at least eight or 12. And he was just kind of, wow, like blown away. He's like, I, I don't, know how you've made it this far without getting this taken care of. And I told him about the history of other doctors just not knowing and brushing me off for other things. And he unfortunately said that he hears that often. So that was a bummer. So I essentially self-diagnosed and he confirmed. So that's how I found it.
0: You know what? I don't know. I think I'm both equally saddened as I am just impressed at your the fact, I guess I'll put it this way I'm saddened at the fact that it took this long. I'm beyond impressed at what you did to figure this out. And it is crazy to me that people have to go out because I, I hear conceptually similar, certainly not identical, but conceptually similar stories before of just these. It, it, People who don't stop. They do not settle for a no. They don't settle for the answer that they don't like. And they do their own research and do this stuff. And, you know, thank God they have the intelligence to go do that because, you know, you you have to be kind of sharp to be able to go do what you just did. And it's crazy to me that people have to be out there and doing that. And I think it's wonderful that you found a doctor that did understand this and had the empathy for it. I mean, that's so cool that there's some light at the end of the tunnel here. So when you finally got this figured out, clearly, like you said, he had that concern in his voice and he's worried about this. You've been dealing with it forever. What are the next steps? Because your story is interesting in that you are already at least open clearly to the natural side of things because you had been Mm -hmm. to the naturopathic doctor and done this stuff. Typically, I find that people get the diagnosis before ever touching that stuff. So what were your next steps after getting the diagnosis?
1: Yeah. So I was kind of a special case because in that same doctor's appointment, I got hit with, yes, confirmed, you do have lichen sclerosis, and I think you might be correct about the vulvar cancer. And so he did a biopsy, and those results came back positive for squamous cell carcinoma of the vulva. So unfortunately, treatment for lichen sclerosis currently is topical steroids, and that's all. There is no other option for you in the conventional space. They're really just locally trying to shut down immune reactions in the area by applying extremely potent topical steroids. Uh, Clebetazole is usually what is prescribed, and it is the most powerful topical steroid available on the market. And women are using it for years on a regular basis. Um, And then oftentimes they end up with atrophy of the area. The architecture goes away, which is also a symptom of lichen sclerosis. Um, The labia minora will actually uh, fuse to the labia majora. Uh, sometimes the opening will close itself. Sometimes the hood will fuse over the clitoris. So there's a lot of architectural change that happens with the disease itself. And then also just atrophy of the area with the steroid use long term. So that was what I was offering. So
0: I'm going to guess at some point oh, – oh, I'm sorry. It kind of – yeah, it lagged a little bit. I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. I'm going to guess <laughs> just because of the space that you're in. That at some point, you must have decided probably sooner rather than later that that steroid was not going to be your only option for this. I'm I'm guessing I'm correct there.
1: Yeah. I don't know what it is about me, but I've always been adverse to taking medication. I think it's a freedom rebellious thing, (laughs) but I don't like it.
0: Well, Where does that even begin? Because I mean, the autoimmune is one thing, but to also find out, hey, uh, by the way, You have this cancer. I mean, that is scary. And I always notice that I don't, I hear it sometimes, but I don't hear as often stories of FDNs working with people with cancer or even having had cancer themselves. It does come up. But autoimmunity is so much more common because, certainly, again, I'm someone who's dealt with autoimmunity. I'm not saying it's fun, but it's not always like some death sentence where cancer, Mm -hmm. hey, it's like, you got some time here. You better act fast. And you don't really have the time to think. So, yeah. What were the next steps for you and how the heck did you go into a natural side of things when this was probably pretty intimidating and scary, even if you are a naturally rebellious person?
1: Sure. Yeah. So um, the lichen sclerosis, he gave gave me a script for clobetazole um, and I went home and I applied it and it worked and it basically put me in remission. All my symptoms went away immediately, all as well. So, okay, cool. Now we got to deal with the cancer. Uh, recommendation for cancer was surgical removal of... The cancerous tissue that is always the first line of defense in this type of cancer, uh, as long as it is localized. I was lucky that we caught it to in a point where it was a stage one B, which means it was localized in the tissue. It had not moved and attached to lymph nodes or any other organs, um, but it was starting to become invasive in that it was kind of drilling down into my dermis. So I was getting it was getting worse, uh, and if I had waited much longer, I probably would have progressed to like stage two. So surgical removal is the first course of action. Um, In my case, I'm grateful to be a rebel because the location (laughs) of the growth uh, was so close to important pieces that I was looking at castration as part of my recovery. Um, The location of the nodule was in the little triangle that sits around the clitoris, was in the lower left-hand corner. And so my surgeon, my gynecological oncologist wanted to remove the clitoris along with the tissue because in cancer surgery, they're really trying to get what they call a clear margin, which is a section of tissue that is clear of cancerous cells all the way around the perimeter of that sample when they remove the tissue. He said, in order to get that, I'm going to have to take the clitoris. And I didn't like that answer. I said, I'm 37, yo. And that's kind of an important piece. Not only <laughs> yeah, <you bet. laughs> not, not only is it important for sexual pleasure and health, um, but you get all of the natural brain chemicals that come with orgasm that I would be missing out on. And I already have stress problems. So that's important to me and my health. And then we start to go down the rabbit hole of how is this going to affect my identity as a woman? And that was just not a conversation I was willing to have. Like I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. What other options do we have? And he's like, well, we could go in and get as much of the affected tissue out as possible and then see what comes back in pathology and then take it from there. Um he tried pretty hard to convince me to let him take whatever he needed to take in that initial surgery so that we wouldn't have to do anything else but I refused. I said no, no. And I told every person I came into contact with leading up to my surgery, do not take my clitoris. It will be intact when I wake up or I'm going to freaking lose my mind and sue everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like As needs, you should. As you yeah, should. <laughs> it needs to be intact. Um so that was really really important. I did wake up, so some other pieces missing that I wasn't expecting. Um, he did a bilateral lymph node biopsy while he was in there, just double checking to make sure that nothing was in the lymph nodes. What he did not do was explain to me that a biopsy of something as small as a lymph node is really a lymph node removal, not a sample of the, the item. So I ended up losing uh, one lymph node on the right side, and then four lymph nodes on the left side where the cancerous tissue was, which uh, later developed into a little bit of lymphedema, which I was also not warned about. So informed consent turns out doesn't actually happen when you're dealing with cancer because they don't explain all the things. So one of my soapbox items now is making sure folks are advocating for themselves and getting informed Mm -hmm. consent. That's a big deal. It's like, okay, cool. Let's take the second option, go in, get everything you can, leave me intact. And so he agreed, um, some surgeons don't agree, so that was great, and we did that. Pathology came back, there's still cancerous tissue on three out of four sides of the sample. So now he recommends radiation, pretty high doses, I would be 35 doses, and when they do radiation, they do it every single day. So he would basically be lighting me on fire every day for 35 days. And then he also wanted to give me low-dose chemotherapy in addition to that. And I was like scared to death at this point. Like, I don't want to do that either. He's like, Or you can let me go back in for a second surgery and take whatever I need to take to get it all. I still am not cool with that idea. So I meet with a radiologist, and the radiologist gives me one list. And I should have saved that piece of paper. I probably have it in my files somewhere. It's a big, long list of side effects. And he starts going over the side effects, and he said, Okay these are the ones that are definitely going to happen and you start circling things like uh, loss of elasticity and sexual dysfunction because the skin and the tissue would be so fried that it would no longer stretch a loss of the ability to self-lubricate because the glands would be fried and no longer operate Um, early menopause because my reproductive organs would be fried and would no longer operate Um, diarrhea because my bowels would be affected um burning like all of these terrible things and then he gets into the other the other like other side effects. He's like, these could happen. Your intestines could burn together. You could lose your bladder. You could lose your colon. You could end up with an ostomy. You could end up with uh bone damage from the radiation. Like this is nasty treatment. Yeah. And my husband was myth with me and he was like, uh, no. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> And so then I'm like considering the second surgery and my husband is like, well, he's like, what does that mean? And I said, well, to put it in terms that you'll understand with your biology, it means cutting off the head of your penis. And he said, what? <laughs> he's <laughs> now like,
0: I'm listening. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's like, this is the, Oh my gosh. He was, he was appalled and angry and sad and concerned and all the things at once. And he's like, there's got to be a better way. Now, My naturopathic doctor is badass and I love her and I owe all of the things I've done to her um, because she sat down with me. I went went to her for refill on my meds and I said, I need to tell you about this other diagnosis and I need your advice. I told her what was happening and she said, okay, She's like, do not do anything that you're not comfortable with. She's like, the type of cancer you're dealing with, squamous cell, is actually a very weak cancer and we can knock it out with natural means. Mm-hmm. And so she put me on a big long list of supplements, including things like modified citrus pectin that has been showed in clinical studies to prevent or reduce metastasis, um, mushroom complex, which has been shown to improve cellular turnover and help with regulating cells. Uh, Curcumin and high, high dose melatonin, like 20 milligrams a night. Lots of, of this stuff to help get my body back in balance. And then she referred me to a clinic here in Arizona that specializes in naturopathic oncology. And so I met with them and I'm like, well, what are my choices <laughs> like surgery, remove important pieces, radiation, hurt my body for life or try this other stuff that may work. And if it doesn't, I still got to face the other two situations anyway. So what the hell Might as well? Yeah. So what I ended up doing was um, about four months of high dose vitamin C via IV intravenous and then i did hyperbaric oxygen therapy alongside that and then i did a therapeutic ketogenic diet so not the same as internet keto (laughs) Uh, it's very medically supervised very very strict very difficult ketogenic diet Um, intermittent fasting was part of my process i added cannabis i did all kinds of other things that my naturopathic oncologist recommended like oil pulling and dry brushing and earthing and um, I quit my job and I made healing my full-time job like that is what I did for four months and that was it um, and then so I was diagnosed in August 2017 surgery was in September 2017 cancer-free scans came back February 2018 and it's, it's been three years cancer-free wow. And everything went into remission. My fatty liver went away. My gallstones went away. My Hashimoto's TPO antibodies are completely negative. Lichen sclerosis is in remission. So I'm I'm good. Lost seventy pounds. Got another thirty to go. So, yeah,
0: that's what this is doing. Uh, incredible in the best way. How? Did this lead into you getting involved and becoming or involved with and becoming an FDN? I'm I'm going yeah. to guess it has something to do with this experience, but like what even led you to finding FDN?
1: Yeah. So I um, through my experience, obviously, I was like, okay, people need to know that there's a better way, and I was really upset with the way that I was treated by the conventional medical system throughout my life when I realized what was going on and also through cancer treatment uh, because with cancer treatment, they have a conveyor belt, and the only options are to cut it out, burn it out, poison it out. That's what you get, and things have not advanced since you know World War II, Um, And you don't get any say in the way that you're treated. They basically put you on a conveyor belt and they rush you through a series of things and you're not really given a chance to speak or to participate and they don't really explain the side effects and what you could be facing long term. They are tunnel vision focused on reducing the tumor size and that's it despite what happens to the rest of the organism that the tumor is living in. Mm -hmm. And so, that really kind of sparked something in me where I needed to help other people. I wanted to pay what I had learned forward and help as many folks as possible. And so, I started researching certificate programs and I said, how the heck can I become – a health coach or a naturopathic doctor or something so i looked at conventional nutrition programs i looked at an uh, nd school actually going because the southwestern um naturopathic school is here uh half a million dollars was what that would require <laughs> i would love to oh do my that gosh! Oh my not gosh. today <laughs> Um, And then I just kind of started looking around and looking around. um, And I also started to get big into the ketogenic community at the time because that was the nutrition plan that is, turns out, is appropriate for my body and my case. Um, And through that, I started attending conferences and I ended up at Paleo FX, uh, like spring 2018. And I saw all these signs for like test, don't guess. And test, don't guess is a mantra in the marketing space. Everything I do as a digital marketer is all data focused. And so that spoke to me because (laughs) one of the big things I wanted was lab work because that's what I did with my naturopathic doctor. We did a stool test. We did a heavy metals test. We did all of the things that I do now with my clients as an FTN. And so I sat through Reed's talk and I was like, oh my goodness, like what he's talking about is very similar to the approach that I took with my naturopath. And so I got the coupon code and I signed up like the next week. And then when I opened up the course, sure enough, he's talking about metabolic chaos and he's talking about symptoms versus actual illness versus root cause. And then i started to look into the labs and i'm like oh my gosh this is he packaged the exact troubleshooting process i went through with my naturopathic oncologist that brought me back from like the most catastrophic diagnosis you can imagine i was like i'm sold like this is what i'm going to be doing and i made it the heart of my practice and here we are now i am helping other women
0: Th- that is so so cool and one thing i have to ask and i i always ask this on the podcast so i'm sure like I feel like even with what you accomplished, there were still maybe things to work on and learn. Did you find anything when you were going through the FDN course? Because for those that don't know, we talk about FDN Thrive a lot, our consumer-based program. FDN as the course for practitioners, that we do require you to run lab tests while you're going through that because we don't want people doing things that they haven't done on themselves. Did you find anything, Heather, that you were still like maybe surprised about or gave you like healing opportunities to continue your journey and get even better?
1: Um, I didn't really find anything. Um, I did my practicals uh, with Brandon Molay, and he he was actually surprised at how clean my labs were. So everything had <laughs> I was about um, to see. yep. <laughs> yeah, everything had kind of gone subclinical at that point for me. But he did turn me on to some additional testing that he does with his client population that he thought might be like the final key for me. Things like organic acids and some additional um, mineral balancing from the heavy metals. Um, because I'm still searching for what is the root cause of my food sensitivities because I've gotten that far, but there's got to be a reason why I'm still sensitive to some foods. Um, and so that was helpful in terms of my, my course studies for sure.
0: Well, that's, I mean, what did you learn on those uh, like tests? Did you find anything insightful on the odor, or the HTMA? I'm guessing that's what you did is the HTMA, correct or no?
1: I did, yeah. I did the HTMA and um, I found that aluminum is a little bit of a problem for me. And so, um, just kind of balancing the minerals, uh, let's see what was out of whack. So, I had a very significant deficiency in some cancer protective elements, uh, vitamin D, vitamin A, and iodine. And so, I had been supplementing with iodine to the point where it had knocked some of my other minerals out of balance. And so, we had to to go back through and rebalance my minerals based on the HTMA results and then also use some binders to get rid of aluminum. And I had a little bit of mercury, not a ton. Hmm.
0: Okay, cool. Well, I mean, those aren't things we hear about very often because, you know, we do focus on those foundational things. And that's why I was like, when I'm asking that question, I, you took the answer right out of my head. I'm just like, she's probably going to be clean with the amount of work that she did beforehand. So that's a first on the show. That is very impressive. Well, I think this is a great time to start talking about some of the things that maybe you have done with clients because you have learned a lot from your own experience and I'm sure you're able to serve these people at an incredibly high level. And one of my favorite questions to ask is just simply, do you have any stories that stick out in your head of maybe someone that comes to you and just like you, I mean, they're at the end of the rope kind of, they are in not a great place and you help them kind of turn everything around. Do Do you have a story or maybe even stories like that that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah. So, I actually see both ends of the spectrum. So, um, the way that I approach autoimmunity is I have a specific kind of troubleshooting protocol that involves like six buckets of triggers and things. And I find that some of my clients come to me with lichen sclerosis and it's as simple as removing gluten from their diet or as simple as um, fixing the level of stomach acid that they're dealing with (laughs) they just don't have enough and so bacteria gets in the wrong place and so we've got like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and that kind of thing done fixed and they go into remission easy i have other clients that come to me and there's a an onion that needs unpeeling and we start with the basics and i have a customized package of basic tests that i run with all of my clients through because of my personal experience Um, and Oftentimes I'll find gut bugs and then I'll also find heavy metals and then I'll also find oxalate sensitivity and then I'll also find, um, food sensitivities and then we'll also find, um, just a plethora of other things. Um, so I had one client who came to me and she cleans homes for a living. So she is constantly got her hands in bleach and chemicals and all of those things. And she was having some endocrine disruption alongside of her LS, um, hormones were out of balance and she actually thought that she was perimenopausal I think she was in her early 30s when she started we started working together um and so we started going through the labs and we started going down the protocol and her gut was actually intact which I was surprised to see given the noxious chemicals that she's dealing with on a regular basis all right well then what's going on here and then she had um some bacterial imbalances, but otherwise the gut lining was seemed to be intact. She didn't have a ton of food sensitivities. There were a couple that seemed to be developing. And so we kept digging and we kept digging and we kept digging. Turned out actually that histamine was her issue. She started to react to high histamine foods because she was doing bone broth every single day for like years. And bone broth can actually add up to an overload of histamines. Um, So her detox pathways actually ended up being a little bit blocked because of all of the noxious chemicals she was dealing with. And then uh, she started to react to histamines. So as we started to pull back the histamines in her diet and start take some of the stress off that way, we also added in personal protective equipment in addition to what she was already using to try and block some of that that junk from getting into her system. And um, she ended up like getting better. (laughs) Like L S <laughs> went into remission and her um her hormone balance actually rectified. I think she it turned out she was actually estrogen dominant. She wasn't going into perimenopause. And it was because, you know, HPA was a little wacky because of all of those toxicants that she was dealing with on a regular basis. So that one was a little bit um of a puzzle at first because a lot of the regular markers that we look at were seemed to be within range and they were okay. It wasn't until I started digging a little bit further with a food journal and looking at her nutrition and putting together patterns that I understood what was going on there. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's always – I think one of the reasons that's my favorite question or one of my favorites at least is because – it's powerful to hear from someone like you. But if I'm a consumer, I'm like, okay, this woman's sharp. She's got crazy courage and she just doesn't give up. Can this happen for other people? And it absolutely can. Um, and we see that all the time with FDNs getting results for themselves and then their clients as well. Before I talk about where people can find your biz or my signature question that I always finish off with, I got to take one slight detour. And I I think you might have some insight here. I, I don't know what it might be, but I'm curious. Do you have any suggestions for what society can do to prevent issues like this in the future? And what I mean by that is how do we stop the heathers of the world from having to go for 30 years without a diagnosis? Because I know not everything's as prevalent as other things doctors are wonderful people and they can't know everything like is there some solution here i'm just curious if you feel like there's anything that could have been done more for you so that you didn't have to wait 30 years and figure this out basically yourself to actually get a diagnosis
1: yeah so um the way that our current system is built it's really built for acute care and the modern medicine conventional guys are incredible when it comes to surgeries and broken bones and hemorrhages and accidents and, um, anything that's acute, it's wonderful. It's set up exactly perfect for that. Um, well, maybe not perfect. There are some things, but still they do a great job, but they don't understand chronic illness. And I think that is because in today's medical world, um, everybody's a specialist. Um, nobody is a holistic, like all systems running together kind of practitioner, so unfortunately, because of that setup, that means that each individual person needs to be the CEO of their healthcare. They need to be completely involved and they need to understand that any practitioner that they work with is their consultant. You are paying them to consult on your case, which means you are in control of whether or not that person continues to consult on your case so it's really about being involved and being a self advocate so it may not be as extreme as my case where you have to solve it yourself but it's definitely the major thing that i see is in terms of turning points with my clients and with anybody else that i interact with on a regular basis once you start like owning your case and your healthcare and your team that's when things actually start to shift because you're able to pull the strings as the CEO of your your healthcare. So that's the biggest thing. And that's what I coach all of the clients that I work with on.
0: I'm glad I asked the question because that's wonderful insight and advice. I think that was very – there's just a great answer. So that is my next question. Where can people find you and who is your ideal client? Do you just focus on a niche of kind of people with LS or do you go beyond that horizon?
1: Yeah. So I actually work with – um I specialize in autoimmunity. Obviously, I get a lot of LS customers because that is what I have dealt with. And I get a lot of women with vulvar cancer as well. Um, So my practice tends to be split between folks with autoimmunity, typically women, typically with LS, and women with cancer or trying to avoid a recurrence of cancer. So I work with a lot of cancer folks and a lot of autoimmune folks. So that's kind of the ideal. Typically when folks get to me, they are at their wits end, very, very sick, have been through millions of specialists. I'm sure you hear this with every FDN you interview. (laughs) So those tough cases um, tend to come to me. So I have a data brain, I have an investigative brain, and I really enjoy getting in the trenches and helping folks troubleshoot their own systems to figure out custom solutions, which is what FDN is all about. So I love this program. Um, right. And then you can find me on, my website is probably the best place to go, just heathercohen.com. Last name is spelled C-O-O-A-N. So heathercohen.com And then I'm Heather Cohen everywhere. Um, my YouTube channel is a great place to go. I'm getting that up and running. If you are suffering with LS or vulvar cancer or autoimmunity of any kind and you want all of the information in my brain, I'm slowly but surely trying to get it out there uh, to make it accessible to everyone.
0: Well, speaking of that, can we ever expect a book from you in the future? Is that ever something yes. you've pondered?
1: Yes. I have an outline already put together. I will be definitely telling my story in book form uh, and hopefully giving people some advice and, and help in terms of how to troubleshoot the way that I did. Maybe not so extreme, but. You get it.
0: (laughs) Okay, and just so people are aware, I swear on my life I had no idea she was actually planning on writing a book. That was just a a nice (laughs) suggestion that I think she really should do. So I'm glad to hear there's an outline. Uh, Please let us know when that is out. That would be wonderful.
1: You got it. I get that a lot, actually. You should write a book. I will, eventually. I'll get there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My final question, Heather, is the one that we always sign off with. And it is simple, but profound in the sense that when we hear from these practitioners such as yourself, I mean, these are advanced things. These are long-term cases of chronic illness. And I typically find that the answer to the question I'm about to ask is actually usually pretty fundamental and simple. And I think that just really brings home for people the idea that the basics are super important in healing. Even if we use all the other testing and all this other fancy stuff, you still got to get the basics down. So my question for you is, if Heather had a magic wand and you could get... Everyone in this world to do one thing for their health, what is that thing that you would get them to either do or not do?
1: One thing. Okay, so the most powerful thing I think has got to be food. So there are three nutritional principles that I believe apply to every single body on the planet. There's only three, and everything else is independent. So if I could get everyone to eat a whole food, properly prepared, nutrient dense diet, that is what I would wave my wand over.
0: If by chance there is anyone that has been listening long enough now to be doing some of these tips that we're hearing as uh, the final comments on the show, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know because I'd be very curious to hear about that. And what an incredible story, right? I mean, it is unbelievable what people are overcoming by getting their body healthy even after years of dealing with the condition. Heather was sick for over 30 years. You know, I mean, this just shows what can happen. Now, what would happen if we had a world where these people didn't have to wait 30 years to find functional principles? What if that was just the first thing you did, first thing you went to, until this was such common knowledge that we don't need to be sharing these things on podcasts or doing the coaching or whatever? Well, we're not there yet, but you can be someone that's helping to lead that charge, right? If you're ready to start your health journey, maybe you're someone listening that hasn't done this yet. Go to fdnthrive.com, click the Get Started Here button, and you'll actually probably wind up on the phone with me, and we will definitely talk about some of your health challenges and what FDN Thrive can do for you, if it is right for you. All of these people that you've listened to on here they are disciplined, they are willing to try new things, and they're willing to do a lot to get healthy. So if that sounds like you, fdnthrive.com. And I just want to thank you guys so much for listening to yet another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it's under iTunes, that would be amazing. If you leave a few kind words, even better. But I will talk to you guys soon. I hope you enjoyed the episode and take care. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNthrive.com.